Welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. We are glad you are taking advantage of this resource. If you would like to find out more information about our church or connect with us, go to cornerstonebv.org. You can also check us out on our Facebook page, at CornerstoneBV. We hope that the message today impacts your life and draws you closer in your walk with Christ. Amen. Amen. Glory to Him. You may be seated. You know, one of the greatest ways, we're talking about warfare, one of the, just occurred to me as we were singing that, one of the greatest ways to fight the enemy is praise music. Just play it, blast it, put it in your house, your car. The enemy hates it, but that's just for free. I had not planned to say that. Uh, we're, we're entering this, this new um, series, and as we do that, I want you to imagine you stop in here, uh, maybe during the week, uh, maybe you got to get something, you got to see someone, or maybe like a lot of you do, and I'm perfectly happy to do this because we're in a central location, you just have to go to the bathroom, you know? And so you pop in, you walk in, quick trip, and all of a sudden you see me standing in the lobby with the sledgehammer in my hand, and I look angry. You're like, uh-oh, pastor went postal. That isn't good. All right, Jamie, put down the hammer. I don't think you know how to use that, right? And I'm like, I'm, you got, I'm so angry right now. And you're like, why? Why are you so angry? Calm down, right? And I'm like, I'm furious. You know, we have this new space, this new construction, bathroom, say all that. Uh, there's this faucet in the bathroom. I'm just furious. I'm going to destroy it. And you're like, what? I'm, why don't you come with me? I will show you, right? And, and I bring you to the bathroom, and this is what you see in the bathroom. All right? And I'm like... I am going to destroy that faucet. It's bringing in the most nasty liquid you could ever possibly imagine. And you're like, chill out, all right? Drop the hammer, because if you destroy that faucet, someone else, because you certainly won't be able to do it, some plumber's going to have to come in, put a new faucet in, and guess what's going to come out? That. And then maybe you, you turn on some of the other faucets and show, guess what? They're all pouring. I'm like, i got to destroy all these faucets now. And you're like, you're missing the point right, is the problem is not the faucet, right? you got to go deeper, the source behind what's coming out of the faucet. And I bring up that ridiculous illustration. I have no idea where I came up with it, but I did, to help us see what we're talking about in this series. It's so often we're fighting the faucets in our life, the people that come against us, the obstacles, the situations. We're angry with this different political party or this different whatever. And, and, and we feel like that's the problem and we have to go deeper, that there is a greater enemy at work against us. And stop fighting the faucets and stop realizing where the source really is. That's where the fight is. So that's what we're going to look at in the next uh, six weeks or so uh, in Ephesians. Let's pray as we do that. Um, Lord, I, I want to specifically pray, as I've been praying throughout this, is, God, that you would surround us with your holy angels' protection as we enter a subject. God, we know that the enemy hates when we talk about you anytime, but he especially hates when we bring up him. And Lord, we know that. And we know that he's more powerful than I am. He's stronger, more intelligent than I am. But he is nothing compared to you. He has nothing compared to your strength and your grace and your mercy and your power and your authority and your sovereignty. So surround us. Help us. Surround those who have joined us from home today. Lord, that distractions or whatever might come against us, oh Lord, you would dissipate before they even arrive so that we might hear your word and we might trust in your truth. 
And Father, I pray the same for all who preach on the Lord's Day all over the world this weekend who are preaching your truth. Protect your servants and protect those ears that will hear. You'll bring great fruit here and all throughout the world for your beautiful gospel. And it's in your amazing name of Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, amen. 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 Um, so uh, if uh, you have your, your Bibles, you can use a Pew Bible too. We'll put it on the screen. But it's kind of a, a weird thing. We don't usually do this, but we're actually picking up the action towards the end of one of Paul's letters. So it's Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verse 10. Um, and uh, hey, if you don't uh, own a Bible or maybe you know someone who needs a Bible, uh, feel free to use one of ours. Grab it, give it to them, or take it for yourself. Uh, it's not stealing. We love to give those away. We'll restock. Um, that's, that's how we do it here. So you know, as, as we, like I said, we're, we're kind of at the end of this, this letter. Paul, the apostle, writes to this uh, city, this church in Ephesus, right, the Ephesians. And he knew these people really well. Um, he, he had spent a lot of time with them, three years at one point. Uh, so he knew them really well. But he's writing this letter from prison, a Roman prison. And so I think, like any preacher or, or teacher who's looking for illustrations, you look around and you're like, that will preach right there. Uh, and he probably saw Roman uh, you know, soldiers at some point with their armor on. And he's like, ooh, spiritual armor, let me use that. Right? So he's in prison writing this to the Ephesians. And as we get to this section, you see the first word there. It says, finally, which means we sort of come to the, to the epicenter of, of, of what he wants to tell them. This is sort of the peak of it, uh, and then he'll do greetings and end the letter. But what we didn't cover, and we won't in this series, is all that came before it in this very letter. And, and one of the words that marks what Paul has written to the Ephesians is a word we talk about a lot to, to mark the Christian life, and that is the word walk, right? It, it's used a lot in the Bible. Paul loves that word, and he uses it a lot in uh, this letter to the Ephesians. Like, so it, it's, it's, it characterizes how we live the Christian life. We walk. Because it's not just about these big theological concepts, and we love uh, those young people, they go into to, to seminary a lot of times, so like, I'm going to come out, I'm going to get a church, and, and, they're gonna, and they come out filled with theological knowledge. And that's what these people are going to want, big teachings, and they find very quickly that nobody wants that, maybe 1%. What people want is help. How do I live this out in my marriage and in my parenting and at school? And, right? and so that's the idea that Paul gets very specific in this letter. Here's walking. Here's how to do life at school and my marriage and my home and at my kids or with my parents or in this situation. Walking through life, that's seeking after Christ in all those different areas. And so I bring that up because now we get to finally, and there's going to be a different word he uses over and over again. You can even see it if you threw all the, the equipment in the uh, verse, six, verse 13 on the, on the banner to stand firm. He's going to use it four times. Withstand, stand, stand. So Paul, which is it? Walk or stand? And you know the answer. It's both. So how does that work? And here's what I was thinking. I was like, I think what he's trying to tell them is the Christian life is walking. It's moment by moment, right? Bite-sized areas of life, how to trust Christ, how to follow Christ, right? And as you do that, there's an enemy who hates them. And if you're walking after the world, he'll let you go. You're walking after Christ, I mean, you're going to get this war, this enemy, and when that happens, you've got to be able to stand, right? This, this idea of ready to fight, ready to, to, for action, right? So you're walking, here comes the enemy, stand. 
You're walking. So both are true, right? He, he says to, to the Ephesians, finally then, be strong in the Lord, right? Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Now, I don't want to turn you into a bunch of Greek nerds, okay? But there's something very important about that sentence when we call tenses. And English has tenses too. And if you're an English teacher, you love all that nerdy stuff. Most of us are like, oh, please don't bring me back to high school or grade school. But in this tense, in the Greek, it's passive, which is very different than active, right? And sometimes you might read that like, I don't really, like, I got to white knuckle it. I got I to gotta battle the, the enemy. I got to be ready. And you're going to lose if you do it that way. This is passive. So what it means is you receive the armor of God. Now, you have to actively seek it, but, but it's his. This is the armor of Yahweh, right? So that should read, right, better to, to be read, be strengthened in the Lord, right? In, in the strength of his might. It's his strength, not yours, right? No matter, it's not going to be your beauty, and man, some of you are so beautiful, you know, it's handsomeness, right? It's not going to be your intelligence, all the degrees you got. No, 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 no. That's not going to win the fight. The win the fight is his strength in you. Very important as he, as he gets to this. He says in, in verse 11 then, put on the whole armor of God. Also really important. Your Roman soldier is going to be like, you know what? Today I think I just need a sword and a shield. I don't need all the other stuff. They wouldn't ever do that to be a bad soldier, and they'd probably get killed. Instead, you put it all on. So we're going to look at the different pieces, but they're all pieces of a collective whole. So just put on the whole armor of God. Why? What's the point Paul's making? That you may be able to stand. There it is. Against something. Against what? The schemes of the devil. So there it is. That's the source behind the faucets in your life, the devil. Now, let's, let's talk about that for a second. For Christians in the room, and I know there's many of us, Bible-believing Christians, we need to understand that the devil is real. He's sometimes called father of lies. He's called a lot of different things. He's called the accuser of Satan, right, the enemy of God, all these different things. None of them are good titles that you would want. But he is real, and there is, as we'll see, as Paul will elaborate on this, there are spiritual forces organized under him that come against God, his plan, hate everything about God. Of course, they are also already conquered by God. We're just waiting for the consummation of that. But they're real, and the devil's real. Okay? He's not, as you might have seen, if you're as old as me, remember the old Tom and Jerry cartoons, you know, the pitchfork and, and one shoulder and all that. That's not the devil. Right? That's silliness. Okay? He doesn't look like that. But I also want to say, and I want to just say for anyone who's listening or with us, if you're not yet a Christian, you're kind of just seeking, and you're like, the devil, really? Isn't that sort of a made-up thing from the Middle Ages? Is that really, well, like, we're really supposed to believe that? I'm a little bit more, uh, I'm like a little more scientific kind of thing. I just, and I'm glad you're here. I'm not going to ask you to believe something that you don't. I just want you to consider, as we go through this in the next few weeks, to consider all of the evil that you see and experience all around us, the things that people do to each other, the things that people organize against each other, right? All of that. Doesn't it just consider that there might be something behind all of it? 
that it makes sense. It just might be a greater force of evil that you had ever considered might be, be behind all of those faucets that you just thought were random. There might be something more organized to it. Not asking you to, to believe anything you don't want to believe, but at least suspend your disbelief and say, maybe God's word has something here. And for us, we need to understand, if we were to get rid of the devil as true and real, we'd pretty much have to throw out the entire New Testament. We'd have to throw out pretty much anything Jesus said or did, because he was constantly dealing with them, right? And so we're going to assume this to be true as believers. And because if we don't, we're in trouble when we get into a fight that we don't realize we're in. And so he says that it's the schemes of the devil. So, right, as we'll talk about during this series, more probably than this week, but man, what... He's rarely terrifying you into not following God, right? He's scheming you, tricking you, right? Laying in wait, laying the trap. So it's usually going to feel good, seem good. Yeah, I think I need to do this, right? That's the scheme. In, in chapter 4 of the same letter, he called them footholds, right? Like climbing a mountain. Like that's what he wants, footholds of your life. Your goal is to have a sheer wall that he can't get up, right? He, he, he brought up things like... Um, the, the, the falsehoods or uncontrolled anger, foolish talk, anything, as Paul said, of the old self are footholds, schemes to get us to let them in to do battle, right? So he, he, he goes on from there to say, listen, this battle, he says, for we do not wrestle, we'll come back to that, against flesh and blood, the faucets. You're not battling the other political party or the other, other political... You're not battling the people who think you're an idiot for going to church. That's not your battle. It's far deeper and greater than that. It's not flesh and blood. Don't make the mistake that I made with the hammer and the faucets when we look around at our lives. There's something deeper. He says it's actually, what, against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That is intense. A lot of description for this organized hatred of God and anyone who loves him, anyone who worships him. Hate it. That's why they hate singing to God. That's why they hate praying. That's why they hate preaching. That's why they hate his word, and they come against it. You see, a lot of different descriptions. One of those I want to point out is cosmic powers. Most scholars think that, that Paul is talking specifically about the pagan occult, like the uh, occult saturating them of, 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 of this power that is really dark. We have that. Don't we have that saturated in our own community right now? we got stores. It's becoming commonplace to try to contact the dead, to try to cast spells, all kinds of stuff where there is real, genuine power behind it, and it is not good. If you remember, I preached against the occult a few years ago and it opened a lot of eyes of what is actually around us right now that you might not have realized has power behind it, and it is not good. It is cosmic power, and it is not for the believer in his or her life. And Paul would say the same. They call it New Age today. There's nothing new about it. It's as, bad, it's as old as the enemy. And so this, this idea that he gives us, that our fight is not with flesh and blood, but he uses a Greek word, and I'm glad the ESV translates. Sometimes it gets translated in English, struggle. But they, they translate it this way, right? Wrestle, right? And they loved them some sports in their Greek, their Greek culture, just like us. They loved sports, and wrestling was one of them. And so they understood, oh, yeah, yeah, now he's talking my language. I love a good wrestling match. He's like, that's what you're in. 
This isn't shooting a missile, like while you sit behind a fort or something. This is hand to hand, down and dirty, someone coming at you and trying to rip you down. Okay? And, and so he's saying, I mean, you need to know this is the fight, and it's not with flesh and blood. It's with all of these cosmic forces and, and, and the devil and all that it's organized under him. And so as we look at that, though, we want to be reminded that, that even though it can feel scary because, man, we're, we are being attacked, that God has the victory. Greater is he who is in you. The victory has been won. We live in what we call the already not yet. Jesus has already died for sin, shame, hell, and death. Right? He's already done that. And we're waiting for him to return. The consummation of it all. In that is the prince of the world that God's plan is allowing him to wreak a little havoc in our lives. And while he does that, we have this fight. But it's not a fight to be afraid of. It's a fight to understand and be aware of. But know that in Christ... You've already got the victory. And so as we wrestle uh, this, uh, he kind of concludes the thought this way in verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. It's his God, his armor, the armor of Yahweh, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. See that picture? Stand firm? And in and, and scholars are kind of debated over the years, what, evil, what he means by evil day? There's a lot of things he could mean by that. I think the best um, understanding is he's talking about today, right? Because we live in the evil age where we're waiting, that already not yet. But specifically for each one of us, that there are some days we experience that evil more than others, right? Like days, man, you don't want to get out of bed. You feel like the whole world's against you. Like you might feel like, maybe even today, like someone told me before uh, church, uh, before the 9 o'clock, she said, Pastor, I woke up this morning, and I felt tremendous anxiety, and I was like, not, and she's like, no, 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 not today. Like that's the evil day that's coming against you. Like, you. You don't need to go to church. She's like, no, no, that's exactly where I need to be. I need to worship God. I need to be with other believers. I need to hear his word because I'm feeling that evil day. And, and so in the evil day, you and I, we will experience some evil days. And so what Paul is saying, no matter how weak you might feel, no matter how much you don't want to wake up in the morning, that you can withstand because of what? The whole armor of God. And so here's the point, right, as we look at these different elements over the series of, of weeks. It's, it's, it's two-part. Understanding your enemy but confident in victory. Two parts. First is you've got to understand, enemy, as I already mentioned earlier, if, if, if you're, you're walking through a battlefield and you know a war's going, to ha- going on, what's going to happen to you? I, rem- I remember one of the longest hours of my life. My son, Nathan, I think he was in, it was either third or fourth grade, I can't remember now. He, he and his classmates, they started to play basketball, and none of them except for like two kids had ever even played. And so they had joined this league and I assumed all of the teams were going to be that bad. I was wrong. And the other team, the first game, we could sit in the gym in the bleachers like any good parent. I'm watching, right? And, and the other team had been playing basketball together since, like, the crib or something. I don't know. They knew how to pass, shoot, dribbling all over the place. His team, like most of them, they didn't even know how to inbounds the ball. They're just like, what do we do now? Like, they're all standing around the court. The other team's doing this, right? And it was so painful. Over the years, they got much better, thank God, through practice, Right? Because they have started to understand the game. And so that's going to be you. If you're like, no, there's no war. I don't think anything's coming against me. That's not good. 
Understand you have an enemy. Understand that he has power, but please, and I want you to hear me throughout this series, please hear me. Hear me. You do not need to be afraid. Right? I don't want you to be like, oh, I'm scared. No, 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 no. It's not why we're doing this series. I want you to be aware there's a fight, aware how he attacks, and aware you have access to the armor of Yahweh in your life. And you do not need to be afraid because Christ has already conquered. The victory is won, and greater is he in you than is out there. Amen? I do not want you to be afraid. I want you to be ready. I want you to see that it's not the faucets in your life. It's the source. And to be ready. Sort of like David, you know, when he went in against Goliath. A lot of times we give David so much credit. Oh, he was such a great sharpshooter with the stone. No, no, no. David was confident. Why? The God of Israel is with me. It's the power of God that goes around me and before me. Of course I'm going to win this battle. Not because of me, but because of him. You can have the same confidence in Christ. And so I just want to spend a little bit of our remaining time just looking at that very first one as we look at the armor of God. Stand therefore, there it is again, having fastened on the belt of truth. So there it is, the belt of truth. You know, the belt of truth could be described more like under armor than armor because it went under most of the armor that you would see in a soldier. Their, their clothing, uh, as you probably know, is a little different than ours. It was pretty loose-fitting, more robe-like kind of stuff, right? So, so they, they would take, and I probably should have grabbed the belt. I'm not going to use this one. You don't want me taking this off. That could get weird, so I won't. But just imagine, right, you got clothes, and they would cinch it up, right? So now what? Confident. Well, when I put the rest of the armor on, I can, I'm ready to stand. I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to, to wrestle. It gives me confidence under the armor. You know, we have one of the, the most profitable uh, companies uh, today. It's called Under Armour. Now you know where they got their name from. Right? And if you're as old as me and you remember when that company started, now they got everything, right? Anything sports, athletic, anything, right? Uh, but when they started, they really specialized on clothes underneath, right? Things that would make you, it keeps you cool when you run or warm in the cold. Like, so what? You could, when you put your uniform on or you put your gear on, whatever sport you're playing, you feel confident. You feel ready to play. They're, they're playing off of the Roman soldier, right, that had to feel confident under, and that is the belt, the girdle that would cinch it all up. And so Paul says, for the spiritual Christian, it's truth. So that begs the question, what does he mean? Because truth's a big word. The Bible speaks of truth all the time. People come at truth, especially in our culture today. People want to say, well, truth is whatever you want it to be. That's not new either. Remember what Pilate said to Jesus? What's truth? And what did Jesus say? I'm the truth. I'm the way. I'm the life. So when, when Paul says your confidence is truth, the, the, the scholars approach it and, and dig in and say, well, maybe he meant this, maybe he meant that. Some would say, well, he means the word of God. And, and I think that's part of it. But one of the, the pieces of the armor is the word of God. So it's hard to imagine in my mind that he repeated himself. So I think it, it goes it's a little bit not just the word of God. Truth, he's got to mean something more specific when he's saying that's our confidence. 
What does he mean, right? So, so what I like to do is say, well, what does Paul think in this very letter? He describes truth. The same exact letter, he defines it for him. And back, this is uh, chapter 1, verse 13. It says, in him, meaning Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, it's what? The gospel of your salvation. And when you believed in him, in Christ, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So the under armor, the belt that gives you confidence to live and withstand the enemy is the gospel of your salvation. It's knowing who you are. Even in days, maybe some of you it's today, you don't feel like it. You feel weak, you feel weary, you feel anything but religious, you feel like you haven't done a whole lot. It doesn't matter because it's Christ who's given you that salvation. And he says, you've been sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. Sealed means, it, kings used to have this, this ring that they would seal something with, right? It meant you couldn't undo it. You couldn't undo it. Look how he, he finishes this thought. Who is, meaning the Holy Spirit, the guarantee of our inheritance until we re- acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory, right? That, that, that we might feel a sinner judged by God, deserving of death, but when you're in Christ, he's taken all of that wrath, all of that shame, all of that sin. On the cross, he said, it is finished, and then the Holy Spirit seals you for eternity, you cannot lose that salvation. It cannot be taken from you. You never gained it in the first place. It's a gift of grace from God, and it's for all time, and you need to know that's who you are. That's who you are. Not who you feel you are. That's who you are in Christ. The hope is secure. Okay, And so the belt of truth, the confidence as we're attacked is that we know who you really are. Right? You know who you really are. Oh man, if I could just, if I could just get you to see you how God sees you. If I could just get you to see you how God sees you. And when I say you, I include myself in that. The other day I was thinking about this and praying about it actually, waiting in the car, which most parents do before your kids get a license, right? Waiting for my daughter for one thing or another and I was praying through this and I even got choked up. I just said, God, will you help me to see myself the way you see me? Because sometimes all I see is what I'm not, where I've blown it, where I'm not enough, where I've screwed it up. And I don't see your love that never changes. Your salvation that will never be taken from me. That, that, that if you and I could see, you are a child. When you're in Christ, you're a child of the King. You will join Him at the Supper of the Lamb. That's who you are. And I know that's what the devil does. He's called Satan. He looks at you and he says, really? (laughs) You think God loves you? I know what you've done. Man, I know you cheated on your your wife. You've been addicted to pornography for years. You're dirty. You're shameful. You don't measure up. who, Who do you think you are? Remember you bullied that person? They haven't forgiven you. You really think God has? 
Right? And, and that begins to seep in, man. That, that begins to define who you think you are. When you're in Christ, that's not who you are. Those sins are grievous to God, but Christ has paid them in full. Right? That's who you are. And when you understand that, when the enemy comes, you can look at him in the face and say, not today. Like that woman I told you about this morning, not today. I'm in Christ. I'm covered by the blood. I have the spirit. I'm sealed for redemption. That's who I am. That's the truth that gives me the confidence that says, no, 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 no. Look him right in the face and say, shut up, get out. I'm playing worship music. Not because of your power, but because of his. Because of what he's done in you. And so when, when you understand who you really are, you now have the confidence to live out who you really are, right? If all you think of yourself is, you know, uh, some addict or define yourself as your sin or define yourself how your parents said you could never measure up, or, then you're going to live that way. But if you see who you are, you're going to live different. Like, if you've ever had kids, you know how this is. Your kids come home and knock on the door and ask to be let in? No. They open the door. They throw their stuff everywhere. They open the fridge, and you're like, this is all we got. Someone needs to go grocery shopping. Why? Because they belong at home. As much as you want to wring their necks, you let them in because you love them, and they belong there. Right? When you know who you are, it changes how you act. I wouldn't walk in any of your homes and just do that. But if I was your kid, I would, right? And so once you understand who you really are, you live it out. You live out who you really are. Suddenly, it's like, I don't, I don't have to pretend I'm not a Christian at work. Do you know you don't have to do that? But they told me, I don't care. You can be, a, you can pray, you can have your Bible. I mean, I bet if someone at your work brought in a witch spell thing, book or something, they, they wouldn't care about that. Bring the word. I'm not saying get in people's face. Live it out. Pray. Someone's like, you pray? Yes. You go to church? <gasps> yeah, I do. Because I'm a Christian. That's who I am. I'm not saying you're sarcastic, but recognize, man. Like if someone's like, oh, you're a Christian, you probably hate me. I don't hate you. You're just a faucet. All right, don't call anyone an actual faucet. That might be seen as an insult. Faucet? What's that mean? You know? So don't say that. But just say that, man, I, I love you. What I hate is the source, the enemy behind all this conflict, all this garbage. But I'm taught to love you, even if you don't love me. It doesn't matter. I love you. See, now, now you understand who you are. You don't got to fight all these faucets. You can just recognize who's really behind it all and hate him. But love everyone who's being affected by him. Now you can fight. Now you can uh, be a part of what is good. And you can fight and push back what is evil, what is dark, what is injustice around us. You can be part of what fights that. You are now able to live out with the belt of truth in confidence who you really are. Fight for God. Amen? Let's pray. Amen. As we, as we pray, just, just um, be praying for each other as well. Lord, I, I, I especially thank you for the, your truth this weekend. I thank you how it's so impactful to us today. Lord, I pray for those who 
might feel any sense of fear because they recognize there's an enemy. Oh God, may they confess their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and know the victory is secure here and now and for all time. You will come again. They need not be afraid. They just need to be ready. Lord, that you would show us that we have the power, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead. That spirit is within us. The power to stand firm and to walk as you call us to walk. Lord, I pray that each person, including me, would see ourselves the way you see us. We would see your love, salvation, the preciousness that you see us, the future you have for us by your grace. We would not see as the world accuses us, as, as, as the devil accuses us, we would see how you see us, Lord. That you are sovereign and you are over everything. Father, that, this would, that, that you would take us individually and collectively and use us to push back what is dark and evil in this world, to be the light who is Christ. We know we can't do it, but you who are in us are more, more than conquerors. Father, we just pray that we leave here full of a sense of your purpose and grace and mercy and love. You are God, and we trust you with everything, and it's in Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing praises to, to the Lord.